Oh, welcome back to Round Guy Radio. We are hot on the uh, high school football, and uh, we're talking eight-man football. And we're talking to Sean Burks of the Audubon Wheelers, who's going to tell us a little bit about uh, this four-man or four-team football showcase. Uh, welcome back to the program, Coach. I appreciate it. Uh, you guys did a nice job covering us last year and a playoff when I had down to late though. So I was, I was fired up listening to your podcast uh, a week or so ago when you had Chris McCarty on. So glad it, uh, I could take a turn and kind of talk about the exciting thing we're going to put out there next, next Saturday. Well, where, where is this game and uh, uh, what time is the game? Uh, so there's a doubleheader. We're going to play it at Martinsdale. Uh, they've got a nice little turf set up. Um, honestly, we played Martinsdale when we were 11, man, and they've got, if you were at small school that's going to build a facility, that's the place that you would, you would take after. That's the place you would really want to kind of zoom up, so to speak. They've got a great setup. It's, it's, it's a great job for, for spectators. They've got locker rooms. That's a site for teams. It's not on school campus. It's easy to get to. It's on the edge of town. So it's easy to get to. It's, it's just a great setup. And then, you know, it's a great central location that all of us teams can get to. So we're, we're excited about it. You know, we were playing Winfield Mountain Union at 2 o'clock. At, uh, uh, and then Waco and Calgary's morning are playing at 5. So I think everyone can get there at a decent time. Everyone can get home at a decent time. There's no college football on yet. There's not a whole lot of other high school games of week zero. But we've kind of got our own little window to kind of showcase what eight-man football is all about. And, looking forward to having, having a chance to do that. Well, I imagine uh, uh, one of the reasons you picked this field is because it's turf. You know, you, you just couldn't play back-to-back games on a grass field, could you? Uh, yeah, probably not. I mean, I, I don't think there would be much, much interest in a, a neutral site team hosting us if we were. So, I'll you know, talk to Max at, at the AD at Martinsdale, and I know Coach Wharton at Martinsdale has visited both of those guys, and they're, they're planning on hosting us and doing a first-class job. You know, they just they just replaced their turf. It's been about oh eight, nine, ten years old. So it was getting time to be replaced. So we're actually uh, you know the, the first true game on their their resurfaced field. So it'll be in great shape. Uh, hopefully it's not too hot. You know, Saturday at two o'clock on turf might get a little toasty, but yeah, the the turf setup was definitely a, a, a nice part of the being able to handle two games. Yeah, football is the only sport that starts out over hundred degrees and ends up below zero. No doubt about it. You know, that's kind of the beauty of it. It just—you never know what you're going to get. And it's—you know—our first day of practice last week. You know, first week of practice, it was 90 plus every day. We've had other years where it's 70 plus and overcast. You never—you never know what's going to be like. So we're hoping next Saturday that it's the weather cooperates. Um, you know, that it's a decent day because you know the last thing we want with all of us being there is you know lightning delays or you know super hot so to take extended breaks or anything like that. So uh, we settle for uh, an eight, uh, 85, partly cloudy, and let us both get our games in. And no major clamping and no major weather delays, that'd be perfect. Well, I imagine that, uh, you know, you're going to play on grass all year long, and then if you get far enough in the playoffs, you'll start playing on turf. So uh, just a chance to have played on turf might uh, might be a little bit of a benefit, is it? Uh, yes and no. Uh, you know, the, the turf at Cedar Falls is so different than anyone else and anywhere else. Uh, you know, there's more of a carpet because they use the unidome for other things. So they, they take that carpet in and out where everyone else that uses, you know, field turf, so to speak, it's, it's a little bit different, you know, where it's a little more rubber. It's a little softer to land on. 
Um, or, you know, it, it's, it's a cool spectacle playing on turf, but in all reality, if you, if you make it far, far enough to play in Cedar Falls, that's just a totally different setup with indoors and that indoor turf. And it's almost like carpet up there where it, you get some major rug burns. And fortunately, field turf is not that rough on you. you know, so we're, it's a lot more like getting tackled on grass. Well, the last time we saw you play a Southeast Iowa team, you played Waco. And uh, this time you're going to play uh, Winfield. Mount Union, and uh, that's a little bit out of the frying pan into the fire, isn't it? Yeah, you know, it's, it's pretty interesting when you when you look at, you know, kind of the teams we've played the last, you know, five, six years since drop of the eight-man. We were very, very Southwest Iowa oriented. Most of the teams were in our area. We rarely traveled over an hour. Uh, and then when we went to the playoffs, for the most part, we went north. Uh, we, we played rooms in St. Mary's quite a bit. We played Gulfonda quite a bit. Uh, we played Harris Lake Park a couple times even, so most of our extended travel has kind of been northwest. And then all of a sudden last year, you know, we put out tips based on the tips on the ponies and the feedings and whatnot. It, it happened to tip us to the southeast. And we also picked up Southeast Warren last year for our non-districts. I know, um, you know they're coached pretty well, so we talked and we decided we wanted to play each other for this cycle. And, you know, so it's all of a sudden you look at the four teams that are there and, the Winfield Mount Union, Coach McCarty is a guy I've known from clinics, and they're from the same district as Waco, who we played last year, and then the second game, Southeast Warren, who we actually played the following week. So, uh, you know, when you look at it, uh, it's the team we played, with Waco was the team we played in, uh, you know, week, week 11, and then, you know, uh, uh, Winfield's the team we're playing in week one, and Southeast Warren played the team we're playing in week two. So we are, we are, it's kind of unique that we have that much experience and are going to play against or just play against all three of those other teams, considering it's not teams that we've hardly seen at all. It's trap a date, man. Well, they didn't just pick uh, four random teams. They're four bohemus, I would uh, say, in, in eight-man football, aren't they? Yeah, you know, I, th- I think for the most part, all four teams are, are looking for a big year this year. Uh, you know, we haven't really started our film work and prep work yet. Well, that's something we'll do this weekend and early next week. But we know Coach McCarty's got a good team coming. There's, there's no doubt about it. You know, when they've got a Division One kid on an eight-man field, you know, that creates quite a matchup problem. And they've got some other nice athletes, some tall, skinny kids, and some other good-looking kids that we've seen on film, you know, just briefly. Uh, so, you know, I think this is kind of a year that they've been looking forward to, and I think it's for good reason. Um, you know, and then you look at, you know, Waco's coming off a team that their coach, coach unit crew does a great job. They're really physical. They're, they're well coached. It's something that, you know, I've watched from afar, and last year we had a chance to play in person. And, you know, the, with the Reichenbach kid coming back, there's not a lot of people in the eight man game that are going to look forward to tackling and, and game planning to get that kid. And they've got some other nice pieces as well with their quarterback coming back and some other pieces. And then a Southeast Warren's the program. You know, they were at the Dome a few years ago. Uh, they, they, they were another playoff qualifier last year, and they were relatively young. So they bring a, a big roster back, a lot of experience back. They should be a favorite to win their district. You know, it could be a team that could be paid to make it to the Dome as well. So it's, there should be some good football on display. Well, eight-man football has kind of grown from just being kind of an, uh, an anomaly to like being the biggest thing in, in uh, it's been, it's huge. I, I think it's the, the biggest uh, level in Iowa, isn't it? Yeah. You know, it, you know, if, if you think about it, it's eight player versus 11 players, no, but when you look at class by class, uh, you know, the seven classes, eight players has the biggest class. So there's, there's more teams in eight players than in class A or one A or two A and so on and so forth. And, uh, there's, we're pushing close to 70 teams again this year. And, 
uh, most small schools, most small towns are able to hang on to their football program with that option where if you had to play 11 player and if there was no eight-man option, a lot more co-ops, a lot more combining. It looked a lot more like you know, wrestling, for example, where a lot of teams are, are more combined now just if you can't fill a dual roster. Uh, same concept there. So, And it kind of gives small towns a chance to hang on to their football team. And you know, We all know that Friday nights in small communities are special, so uh, any chance you get it, and when you turn the lights on, it's still blocking, it's still tackling. And it, it, to me, you know, I've coached the 11 man game and the eight man game, and, and they're so much, so they're very, very similar. It's still football. You know, it's not, a, it's not like we're playing flag football or some gimmick out there. It's, it's still very physical, uh, it's still a, a high quality game. Well, Coach McCarty mentioned that uh, at the beginning of eight man football, recruiters kind of didn't know what to do with them, you know, and we're, we're maybe even shying away from eight man football, but now, he says uh, there's a growing respect, uh, particularly for open field tackling and things like that. So are you are you seeing more recruiters or you think it's more players have a better recruited chance now than they did? I think in general, kids have a better chance to get recruited now just with you know, the amount of camps, the amount of exposure, with Huddle, with Twitter, uh, just with, with everything out there. It's just easier to be seen than it was before, but also – uh, you know, there, there's been a lot of success stories. You know, you look at the University of Iowa you know, a couple of years ago, most of their D-line had, was playing eight-man football with, uh, you know, Nate Meyer from for, for Fremont Mills, and there were some other guys as well. And uh, Chad Greenway was a South Dakota kid that played either six or eight or nine-man, something something less than 11-man. So you know, when the Division One schools in, in the state of Iowa and, and around the Midwest started utilizing more eight-man kids, you know, a player is a player. You know, and when they go to camp and they get their and get measured and you show their film, you know, kids are going to stand out. So, you know, there's there's no doubt about it. You know, when we, we get on the field next week, week zero, they've got a Division One kid that won't take our kids very long during warmups to figure out which one he is. You know, their Division One kids are special, and you know, whether no matter the field they're on, you know, we've I've coached against Division One kids. You know, at, at you know when I was coaching in Class A and One A. Uh, I, had, I had a chance last week and a couple weeks ago in the Shrine Bowl to, to see several Division One kids on the field at the same time. Um, but at the same time, you know, Division Two, II, Division Three, uh, NAIA, there's a lot of really good football, especially in the state of Iowa. And NAIA and D3 really jump out in our state. Um, and, and there's kids that are getting a chance to play all over. And, you know, whether they're 8-man or 11-man, there's going to be opportunities at the next level if you're deserving. Well, uh, a lot of coaches, including yourself, have uh, a lot of their – Talent from last year has graduated, and uh, talk about some of the players that you're losing, and uh, uh, just in general, what's it like for a coach to have to shuffle and replace every all these great players? Yeah, you know, this is probably our biggest reload, rebuild challenge that we've that we've faced since coming down to, to eight player. Uh, and we came down in 2016 and had a small senior class, but we had a really big junior class, and it's kind of been every other since then. Our class of 17 was senior was a large senior class, and so was 19, and so was 21. And then behind, in between there, all the even classes have kind of been our small kids. So we we had a class of two in 2020, and we had a class of four in 2018, and class of 16. I think we had a class of four or five. So we kind of had that every other. Um, and unfortunately for us this year, um, you know, uh, coming through our senior class this year is is was pretty balanced. You know, from senior to junior to sophomore to freshman, I think our biggest class is nine and our, our smallest class is five and everything else is in between. So you know, sometimes when you have those big classes coming through every other couple of years, you kind of know when you're going to have a peak and when you might have a fall and what, what you need to bridge. 
Um, for, and for us right now, you know, we just don't have that big class coming through. Our junior class this year is, is relatively small. Uh, I think there was only like 12 boys in the whole grade, and we've got five of them out for, for football. So it, I think that's kind of where we've seen that that's been coming. And we just, our numbers in general, you know, we've got 28 out, which are fair. But that's been the big challenge for us. We've replaced a lot of really good senior classes. We've had like a really big class or two coming through behind it. And right now, we just don't have one class. So we're, we're looking at seniors. We're looking at juniors. We're looking at sophomores. Uh, we've even looked at a freshman or two at times. So it's, it's just a really unique challenge for us. Um, you know, and, and specifically, you know, we, we graduated, um, you know, two of our offensive linemen. They graduated our quarterback, our tailback, our slot receiver, our tight end. Um, you know, defensively, a lot of those kids played as well. Uh, you know, we lost two of our three D linemen. We lost one of our two linebackers, and we lost uh, all three of our starting DBs. So, and we're we're looking at replacing five or six starters on both sides of the ball, and our and our kicker and our main return guy. So, you know, we're we're, we're replacing a lot. Um, you know, that that was a big reason. Not gonna lie, it was a big reason we were really okay with playing Winfield Nine Union Week Zero when Coach McCarty reached out because. We knew we were replacing a lot. We knew we had a really talented Southeast Warren team on deck week one. Um, Boyer Valley is going to be a challenge in our district week two. Fremont Mills is always a challenge week three. And then we hop into our probably the two teams that are probably going to be picked to win our district, Xyre uh, HK and Cam weeks four and five. So with our really front-heavy and really loaded schedule this year, we knew that a week zero game with with would help us in an eight man, you know, the non-district schedule doesn't count against you. So it's just an opportunity to get better and get prepared for district play. And that's what we're all about. You know, we're trying to spend the next couple of weeks trying to figure out who's going to replace all those guys. We've got some ideas. We've got some, some depth. We just don't have a lot of experience, but that's kind of why we're playing that extra game is to kind of start building that experience up. Well, the, the players that were sitting behind those other players and not getting a chance to play the underclassmen last year, they're not going to shed any tears for those guys that aren't there to, block them from playing and they're getting their opportunity to play but let's break down the team and uh, I want to hear about your your offensive line and your tight ends yeah that's probably uh our, our area of strength right now uh, Cooper Nielsen is uh returning all first team all district all state kid he played guard for us last year in the end he'll be back on our o-line and d-line uh Gavin Larson was another all comp all district kid he would play linebacker and then later in the year because of an injury, he played on the offensive line. So we really have two of our three offensive linemen backs that played some significant time late in the year last year. They're both seniors. They're both multi-year kids. They're both all district kids. So Gavin and Cooper will be leaned on heavily. Um, you know, we're still trying to figure out who's going to take that other offensive lineman spot. We've got some options right now. Edward Miller is a junior. He's about six, six, big, tall frame, good basketball player. He just keeps growing. It's just better. And he's a really smart kid. So, uh, you know, Edward's a kid we're looking forward to. Colton Hanson's a sick, that's one of our center possibilities. He's a sophomore that's really done a nice job. He's grown a lot. He sprouted up for us as well. Um, and then, you know, we're looking at another junior with Logan Schmidt, trying to figure out if he's going to be on the line or tight end. Um, so that's kind of where we're at right now is those three kids trying to figure out who's going to be our last lineman spot. And then as far as tight end goes, uh, you know, if Logan's not playing guard, he'll probably play tight end. If Edward's not playing guard, he could play some tight end. Uh, those are really, it's just kind of a shuffle to turn on where we end up at. But, you know, Cooper and Gavin are all district kids. They're seniors. They're, they're senior leaders. Um, they'll probably be voted captains by their teammates here in the next week. So that's definitely a group that's going to have to lead us early in the year especially. So let's talk about your, your running game, your fullbacks. Uh, uh, how, how's that looking? 
Uh, you know, we uh, we don't usually fullbacks for our offense. Uh, we haven't taken a snap under center in about four years now. Um, but uh, I appreciate that. I arc, you know, we'll, we'll we'll spread it out. We'll use our quarterback and our running back, and then we'll, the other three get the other two guys, three guys, depending on how our tight end set is, are going to be spread out. So, uh, you know, quarterback position right now, the, the leader in the clubhouse is our sophomore Aaron Olson. Uh, he's probably our fastest kid, um, regardless of, of position and age. He's just a, kind of an athlete. We need to get on the field, get the ball in his hands. Um, and then Evan Alts, our, our leading – right now he's our leading returning rusher to play our running back spot. So between Aaron and Evan, are probably the primary guys in the backfield. And then Manny Beiswinger has been playing quite a bit uh, for us the last couple of years on defense. He's kind of getting a chance right now to to take it to the offensive side. Uh, so Manny, Manny's a kid that we're, we're going to put either in the slot or in the backfield somewhere between – Aaron, Evan, and Manny, they're probably our three quickest athletes, and those are the three kids we're going to have to find the ways to, to get the ball. And then, you know, our other kids that can play outside at receiver, uh, we got Grant Gleason as a senior that's finally getting his chance. We got Zeke Conkler that's a junior that's getting a chance. Um, and so there'll, there'll be kind of a rotation there as well. Well, let's talk about that defensive line. How, how is it set up? Yeah, you know, I think uh, Cooper obviously is going to be an anchor for us. Uh, you know, last year he played a lot of DN for us. He's also played interior for us. Uh, you know, Joey Schramm's an all-state kid that played nose guard for us. It's gone. So we're just deciding right now if we want to put Cooper inside or outside uh, and then figure out where our rotation goes after that. Um, if, you know, if Cooper's inside at nose, we've got some, some taller, lankier, tight end type kids that can play defensive end. If Cooper goes out to defensive end, we've got to decide how we want to handle that nose guard spot. If we if we bring in an offensive lineman type kid, or if we go a little bit smaller, um, you know, some teams that you know, eight man will like to put a smaller nose guard, just like some teams an eleven man do, and try to kind of play some games at the center. You know, that's a possibility as well. So we yeah, we're still deciding what our rotation is going to be. Cooper's definitely one that'll be there. After that, there's there's a lot of guys competing, and it really is going to change based on where we line Cooper up and what, what scheme we decide to go with because we can we can be a two-man front or, or a three-man front or a four-man front just depending on the week and depending on our personnel. Well, what about your linebackers? How, how's that looking for you? Uh, you know, Gavin Larson is going to be our primary linebacker um, depending on when teams spread us out. He's the guy that generally stays in the box. He's, a, he's been an all-district kid for a couple of years, really physical kid. Um, so it's nice having a senior leader on the, on the second level as well where – Cooper will lead us on the D-line. Gavin definitely will lead us at linebacker. Uh, and then there's some other possibilities to play there with him. Armando Alarcon, another senior, a little bit undersized, but really quick, that has really good feet, has really good instincts. He's a kid when we, we, play, we run our, our varsity offense against the scout team defense, and he's on the other side. We really notice how fast he flies to the ball. Then Logan Schmitz, another junior that can play, uh, play in the linebacker spot for us as well. So, between Logan, Armando, and, and Gavin Larson, will be our primary linebackers, depending on the week. Um, we'll just we'll just have to see how it shakes out here the next couple of weeks. Well, what about your defensive backs and your safeties? You know, you got anybody that's got speed, anybody that's that's kind of a ball hawk, uh, somebody that can really tackle. Yeah, you know, I think Manny Bicewinger, you know, a kid that we talked about on the offensive side, trying to find a way to get the ball in his hands. He played corner for us the second half. Of last year, his brother started the year corner and got hurt with a collarbone injury in the middle of the season. So Manny kind of took over for his brother, did a really good job. He had an interception uh, to end the game against Waco. That uh, was a really nice diving catch. And he's going to be one of our DBs. I uh, us to lead that unit. So it's kind of nice we have a senior at each level, Cooper at the D-line, Gavin at the linebacker spot, and Manny at the DB spot. 
but also he has some experience because everyone else around him is a little bit inexperienced. So, uh, you know, other DBs to join the list, um, probably Evan Alt, who's going to play running back, will probably play out, out of the, the secondary. Uh, Zeke Conkler is a junior. He had a really nice track season. He's getting stronger and bigger all the time. Had a nice wrestling season as well. So we hope our, our DBs, while they might be a little bit small, uh, week, one, week zero will be a challenge with the size that, that, that Winfield produces. But hopefully they'll be up for the challenge. Hopefully they can be physical. Well, as you and I both know, a lot of times a game or two a season is going to kind of de- de- go uh, depending on how the special team performs. So tell me about your special teams and what you're looking for them out of this year. Yeah, you know, don't don't bring up special teams the coach either yet. I think that one's still pretty pretty fresh wound. It was the last time we were over that way. Uh, you know, where, where our kid took that punt seventy yards and that was nothing nothing coaching wise. That was that was all all talent wise and just a great play by an athlete. I'll bring up a friendly reminder that he's gone. You know, we are gonna have to replace our retur- main returner. Braden did a nice job for a couple of years for us. So we're gonna have to find out who can return punts and return kicks. Uh, you know, but we've got some, some quicker type kids, so between Manny, Evan, Aaron, um, possibly some other kids, but those are probably our leaders right now. You know, kids that are playing running back and slot, they're generally your best chance to return. Um, you know, the kicker uh, is, is Manny. His brother kicked last year for us, so he got hurt, and then Manny stepped in and kicked the second half of the season. So we do have our, one of our kickers back, and our, and our punter was primarily Gavin Marshall last year as well. Uh, he's back as well. So we do return some, our, some of our punters and kickers. Um, once, once Matt, Matt Meissner had that collarbone injury halfway through the year. So he started the year there and then the second half of the year we, we rotated in. So it is, we do return our kicker, our punter, but our return game will definitely need some, we'll have to be some new faces there. Well, how can our listeners follow your team uh, through the radio, through streaming, through social media? Uh, what are, what are the opportunities to follow Audubon Wheelers? Uh, you know, we, we've got a lot of really good local radio stations around here, a lot of weeks. Well, you, you mentioned already something about the schedule, but let's kind of go through the schedule as we wrap this up. Uh, well, you know, it sounds like there's a lot of really, really good teams in your in your uh, in your district over there. Uh, so, talk about some of your district games, some of your non-district matchups. Yeah, you know, when you look at the the non-district play first, uh, you know, those are three really good teams from three different districts. So, we'll get a pretty good feel early in the year about what that's going to look like. Um, one of them, obviously, is Winfield Mount Union. Uh, that's week zero. Uh, that'll, that'll be tough for, for sure. Week one, we uh, we host Southeast Warren, who has a, a lot of guys returning. Will be a very physical, very well coached. Um, you know, so you, you have a possibility to have a, a district champ week zero. You got another possibility to have a district champ week one, and then our other non-district team is week three against Fremont Mills, who is kind of the a poster boy for success, so to speak, on both sides of the state, especially in eight man, but kind of statewide. Well, they've they've been at the dome about every other year for the last ten years. They they are they are always physical. They're always big. Their their strength conditioning is is no joke. They will punch you in the mouth for four quarters. So, and they're they're the major favorite to win their district as well. So, so there could be we could play three not three all three non district games could be 
against playoff teams for sure, if not distant camp. So that'll be that'll be a good test through our first four weeks. But that'll that'll really get us ready. Uh, and then our our district play, uh, our district will be interesting this year. I can't decide how it's going to go for sure. I think if you ask, um, if you were to interview every coach in our district, you might get a different answer on who the favorite is to win it. It just it's just going to be that deep. Uh, you know, last year Cam and Nita won the state title, and we were uh, semifinalists. Our only two losses all year were to them. Uh, you know, we both were very senior heavy. We both lose quite a bit, but at the same time, uh, there's still some kids that are coming back, especially for Cam. They return quite a bit on their line, quite a bit on their defense. So they're losing star power, but they bring a lot of experience back. Uh, they're, they're not going to be a pushover at all. Uh, Kyrie HK was the other team that made the playoffs in our district. They, you know, Coach Peterson has been a coach that's been you know, the playoffs nearly 10 times. He's always well-respected in this area. He'll, he'll have his kids ready to go. It's kind of a local rival for us, 10 miles down the road as well. So between Exire and Cam, and those, those are our next two teams on our schedule as well. So, And then Boyer Valley is physical. They got a new head coach last year. They were they missed the playoffs by a game, but they gave a lot of teams, uh, and including us, they gave us a really good first half. They, they, really, they won some games, I think, surprised some people last year. They're on the rise. And then you also have West Harrison, who only had one senior on their roster. They bring a lot back. They've gotten better year after year. They've got some stability in their coaching staff. They made it to state in basketball. They were a game away from state in baseball. A lot of those kids will be seniors. They'll be a scary team to, to that's kind of a, on the rise as well. And then what are the last two teams in our district? Woodbine always spreads it around, always scores points on teams. Uh, they, they, they've given us fits over the years with their passing game and uh, Coon Rapids, you know, it's another local rival for us. They're always physical. They've always got a, a physical run game. They were district champs. They were co-champs with us two years ago. So they've, they've had some success. Uh, you know, you go right on down the list. Those nine games for us, there's, there's not a single game that on paper you go, okay, that'll, that should be an easy one. Um, or, hey, that's a game that we're going to have to just play out of our behinds but not get a 35-point clock again. So, it, to me, it's, it's going to be, we'll have a chance every week to compete. But there's not going to be a single game that you're going to go, okay, that's going to be an easy one. So it's going to be a challenge. It's going to be a really deep, really tough schedule. At the end of the year, I've, I've got no doubt that all nine teams on our schedule will be top 25 to top 30 teams at, at least in the state. Well, we just got a couple of minutes left, but I wanted to ask you about some of your assistant coaches that seem to be making a difference for you. Yeah, you know, we're, we're really, really fortunate. We've had a lot of coaching stability. Uh, you know, Coach Conkler uh, is one of coaches our linebackers and, and leads our defense. He's been the longest tenure guy here. Um, I don't know for sure, but I think he's been here maybe 15 years on the defensive side. He did some junior high before that. So he's, 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 a, he's an Ottoman graduate, so we've kind of had that veteran on our side. Um, Coach Tyler Christensen was a really big hire for us. Um, about five years ago, he came in from uh, he went to high school at Atlantic. He played football at Central. He's our offensive line coach. Uh, so he does a really good job. I think that was one thing we were missing our first few years when I, when I was a head coach. Uh, we didn't have a real offensive line guy. I kind of all of us were skilled guys. So bringing an offensive line guy was huge for us. And uh, since his hire, you know, we've, we've been to the Dome twice and a quarterfinal once three of his four years here. And I don't think that was an accident. I think Coach Christians is a big reason for that. Uh, and then our other uh, full-time coach is Coach Wilder. Uh, he, he works with our wide receivers and our skill guys. Does a really good job of, of getting our skill guys on the right page. Uh, you know, we, we block a lot, and he, he emphasizes that a lot. Um, and, and then he helps with our DBs as well. And then we're fortunate we've got a couple of volunteer coaches, uh, and we're all volunteers with our offensive and defensive line. 
Um, and then our three junior high coaches, two are paid at the J high level, one's a volunteer. Uh, all three of those guys volunteer for the high school staff when they don't have junior high practice. So they're around in August, and then they're around on Wednesdays during the school year, and obviously they're around on Friday nights. Coach Obermeyer um, coaches our defensive line when he's around. Coach Burkowski works with our skill guys. And then the other coach, Burkowski, Coach Adam Burkowski, um, kind of works with our skill guys. He also does our filming, uh, does a lot of our, our prep work there as well. So all in all, you know, we've got four paid coaches and, and four court volunteers with three of those guys also work at the J-high level. Uh, we're, we're really, really fortunate. I, there's no doubt about it that we are, we're ahead of the game and eight man having that many guys, that many eyeballs able to help us out on Friday night. Well, we've been talking to, uh, once again, to t- Coach Burks of the Audubon Wheelers, who was involved in this uh, uh, kind of historic uh, uh, eight-man doubleheader that uh, I don't, I've never heard of a football doubleheader before, but uh, uh, my my sports director, Scotty Melvin, and I will be, be there to get some eyes on and do some reporting on the game. So uh, thanks for being with us, Coach. Yeah, I appreciate the time with you guys. do a great job. Well, we like uh, to hear that. Thank you. So I appreciate it. You guys did a nice job of, of putting a positive light out for our kids and kids across the state. And we appreciate the coverage. Maybe we'll catch up with the next Saturday. Well, we might highlight Southeast Iowa, but we're about all we're about the whole state and the, and the small towns like your town. That that's really what we're all about. And uh, uh, thanks for being with us. You bet. Appreciate it.